There's a lot of these plays. They, they they made players. We didn't make plays down the stretch. And it was a well-played game overall. Like Yeah, through 36 minutes, it was yeah. pretty much neck and neck. I mean, I mean, it was. I thought it was a fantastic game. I, I mean, I was actually, I was actually fine. You know, like I, I feel like our, it was a good showing for us. We beat expectations, right? We beat the point spread, like that kind of thing. Like we mm-hmm. kept it close the whole game against a really tough Carolina team who was at full strength. I mean, I thought it was pretty close to like a Final Four caliber game. You know, really, really great game, a ton of lead changes, and then the last four minutes, we just couldn't make a basket, and they did. I mean, at halftime, they flashed a stat. We were shooting 54% from the field, 54%, and we were like 15 or 15 for 16 from the free throw line, and we were losing. Yeah. I actually felt like we were playing too much one-on-one basketball. Uh, even though we were shooting a decent percentage, like Kennard converted on a lot of things. Yeah, that might be because we were playing against a team that's great moving the ball. Joel Bear's good facilitator. They all sort of pass well. We tend not to do that. Like, their assist per game is significantly higher than ours. We had some games this year where we, we passed the ball really, really well. We, even, like, early in the season, we're like, wow, this team could be a special passing team. Uh, they're not a great ball handling team, but they could be a special <laughs> passing team because Tatum can pass, Grayson Allen can pass, Luke Kennard can pass, Frank Jackson can pass, and those are four of the five or six guys who are on the court most of the time. Even Emil Jefferson can, you know, he can look for teammates. Uh, and it seemed like in this game we were playing a little more one-on-one, um, and against more athletic teams, it, it tends to, I just think we struggle to move the ball well, and we end up sort of late in the shot clock, you know, man-to-man, you know, trying to, trying to make it, you know, one-on-one move uh, and we have really good one-on-one players in general so it's not yeah. like a like a like a death knell to our team like it would be to some other teams but uh, against Louisville against Miami against the Syracuse zone that's really good you know the passing you know I think the passing is the key and I feel like we don't necessarily get the best like why isn't this team like why aren't we better why aren't we winning games by double digits why aren't we able to to win these games, these really tough games at Louisville, at Florida State, at North Carolina, like in the end, we're we're coming up short. And if, you well, know, I mean, I could present the other side. I mean, I don't think there's any team in the country that has more wins against top fifty RPI teams than us. We played so many, right? Yeah, I mean, we like, play, we play in the the toughest conference in the country, and we had the toughest road schedule of every ACC team. Either. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely remember heading into the UNC game. It seemed, I think I read that Duke had played nine road games against um, the top half of ACC teams, and UNC had only played four road games against top half ACC teams. So maybe they were just the beneficiary of a significantly easier ACC schedule. But, I mean, it I, at this point it doesn't really matter. Like, I'm, I, I feel like... I was encouraged by the UNC game. I mean, I thought we played pretty well against one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, I, mean, I, th- I, mean, I think UNC is really, really good. I, I also think they, UNC is very, very good. I mean, they have all the parts. They're deep. They use the depth on their bench. They've uh, they like, make smart like decisions. E- like even they make really even smart Luke decisions. May made like all the critical. 
like he he makes buckets, he's setting screens, he's making passes. I mean, the the first game he started, and I was like, wow, who's this guy? He looked looks like a slow and athletic white guy, and and Jason Tatum was matched up on him. I was like, I mean, this should be a total mismatch. But Luke, I mean, like all these guys are great players. Tony Bradley off the bench. They have depth, and you know, there's seven guys. Oh, they that play, are, they that play are really good. They play 10, 11 easily. Well, I looked only seven or eight played more than three minutes against us. Is that true? It's true. But um, eight eight players played more than three minutes against us. Okay. Uh, if you I, look, I think Roy Williams routinely goes like 10 like, deep. Like, the, you know, 12 guys played. Two of them were walk-ons that played the first minute of the game. And two of them played three minutes. So, so eight, eight guys played 15 or more. Eight guys played 15 or more, sure. And we only played seven guys 13 or more. Um, so they're definitely deeper. You see this right here? When's the last time Matt Jones played only 26 minutes? Matt Jones, 26. I, I looked know. it up. It was like a month ago. He usually plays 35 to 40 minutes. I mean, he was on the bench for the down the stretch. He had no points. He had no rebounds. Well, point, he had one yeah. assist. He didn't have the ball in his hands much. He he had a couple of steals. And yeah, I mean, know, he was matched up on Justin Jackson. So a lot of Justin Jackson's uh, poor shooting night has to be attributed to Matt Jones. But I feel sure. like it, like it in this game, which just like the game in Cameron, seemed like it was going to be a shootout, like headed towards a hundred points each team. I think Coach K went with the firepower of. Oh yeah, I mean, like this was. I feel like the first game where Coach K went with Frank Jackson, Luke Kennard, and Grayson Allen all all on the floor at the same time. Usually, he takes out Grayson or Frank, leaves Luke out there. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I still feel like it was an imbalance in our offense. We we don't in our offense. Yeah, we don't we don't have an inside out game there's that def- much there's this year. No inside game. <laughs> this is, this is, we're not you know. Giles played 13 minutes, got zero field goal attempts. It, I mean, Giles is a non-factor. But he should be a factor. It's too late. It's like, just never going to happen. Might there's have been no the reason NBA. it should be too late. You know, there's just there's no reason they couldn't have like continued to add some layers to the offense. Uh, it's it's almost like the offense has regressed a little. Yeah, even Jefferson. I mean, they don't call plays for him. Like his plays are just like well, offensive rebounds or. You'll notice they do maybe early in the game. Yeah, like he right like, off the in a game like he might get like two, where they just you know entry pass and then it's on him to score on 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 his man. But when the flow of the game gets going, I mean that is pretty much not a big factor. Yeah, our inside out game is limited to the slashing of Kennard and Tatum. For the most part, uh, I mean Tatum can post up too. I mean I'm sure he has mismatches all the time. We're now I'm not a big advocate of post offense in this day and age because yeah. analytically it's not it's just not as effective as firing off threes. But you do need to keep the defense somewhat honest. That inability to move the ball around the perimeter, uh, even just entering the post to kick it back out. Like I, I do feel like we we have some imbalance. Like I'm basically looking for reasons why, why it's so why is it so impressive that we went to North Carolina, you know, and we lost by five points or seven points. Like against it, you're saying it's a great team. It's a pretty good team, but Michael Jordan's not on the, not on Carolina. You know, they don't have. I mean, Joel Berry's a very good guard. He's not he's not a top twenty pick in the draft. He's not a first round pick in this year's draft. Like 
they they have talent, and I, I recognize they're a very good team. They were in the championship game last year. Yeah. And I like all their players. They're all solid college basketball players. Besides Jackson, like I I, I, I mean, don't I don't they look, don't have you know transcendent talent. So you're more deflated over this loss. Not this loss. I mean. <laughs> I kept hoping there was going to be a turnaround. There's no turnaround. There was going to be a turnaround. This a is coming the team. together. Was this is, this the, is team the team would, we have. I was hoping the team would be greater than the whole of its parts. And the team is still less than the whole of its parts when you get right down to it. You know, look at look at these guys. I mean, look at Kennard and his skill set. Look at Jason Tatum and his skill set. Look at, I mean, even Harry Giles. Look at that guy's talent. Look at Grayson Allen and his skill set. Look at Emil Jefferson. Add it all up. You you think we'd have one of these great Duke teams. It just isn't. I know we played tough competition. I know the ACC is deep. I know we're kind of playing better than we were. And it still seems like we have a shot at this thing. Right? But ultimately, if we don't win the NCAA tournament, if we don't go to the Final Four, this is going to be a 10-loss team. And it's going to be one of the, when you know, 10 years down the road, you're going to be like, wow, three or four of those guys had NBA careers. How could that team be a double-digit loss team? You know, they're just, they just didn't do what it, the best – they haven't done so far, at least, what the best Duke teams do. And it's transcend their – play above their talent, right? They're not doing it. Carolina is, you know. Carolina's playing – and then again, Carolina has six losses, too. But something about the way we're playing this year, just something about it. You're a big towner today. I'm down. I'm down. I was up. I was. I was hopeful all season Look, that we were going to turn it around. The second we time we lost three of our last four, Pete. They're tough games. I mean, we should, you know that Syracuse game. Really, really no excuse. Our our, our last ten games. games, we went seven and three, which yeah. is which is best in the ACC. You know, I think Carolina won seven and three, but like all these other great teams, they went six and four, five and five. Like all these great teams play other great teams, and you know. Yeah, I mean, I still think the number of great wins on our resume is under five. You know, who do we beat on the road this year? Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Virginia. And Virginia. Those are the two. Was the only right. But both Notre Dame and Virginia were playing poorly when we went to their houses. And neither are the kind of super athletic team that we're... Yeah, we like playing like for those, those particular teams. I'm actually really not looking forward to our ACC matchup. Uh, so, all right, let's, talk, let's move to the ACC tourney. I mean, was there, was there more from the UNC game? I mean, it was a great game. I, you know, it just bums me out when we lose to Carolina. I can't take it. There's, but they're so good. <laughs> I don't know that they're that good. I don't know that they're that good. They're, I think they're fantastic. I actually think we are very good also. But okay. I think a lot will depend on how we perform in the ACC tournament. I think we can fall anywhere from like a three to a six seed in the, in the NCAA tournament. But the wow. matchups aren't good. Clemson just beat NC State. Yeah, so let's get into it. And I I feel bad for it was Mark Godfrey's last game. It seems like either the team quit on him or, you know, like it's it I'm I I was surprised that he stuck around after he got fired to finish out the season. 
because they're just getting blown up pretty much every game. Uh, I mean, Clemson advanced. Yeah, why, why should that happen? I mean, it's got to be somewhat of an indictment of his his coaching uh, or the pro just the program as a whole. The yeah, kids, the, the last, something. The last time we saw him, they had that epic comeback against us, and he was calling uh, Dennis Smith Jr. boy after after the uh, during his uh, post game interview on court. Um, Dennis Smith had thirty two against us. Yeah, yeah. So we're I. See, I think so where do they wind up? They they were four. They were fourteen and yeah, NC State's seven. Done. They're they're done after they beat us. And and is that right? Did they've only won one game out of their next eleven after they beat us in Cameron? <laughs> I mean, okay, that, but see, you're that's laughing. unbelievable. But if you look at all their games, they were probably favored to lose. They lost by thirty at Wake Forest. Wake Forest is good, yeah, especially lost, at home. Yeah, but they lost by 30 at Wake Forest. Yeah, you know, they got beat by Clemson the last two games. There's no there's no cupcakes in the schedule this year in the ACC. Yeah, so we're going to play Clemson, who posed problems for us in Cameron. We beat them by two. They had a shot at the end. They've got that quick guard. Um, I think it was is it Sylvan Mitchell. Mitchell. And, uh, Shelton Mitchell. Shelton Mitchell. And Jared Blossom game is like a... 28-year-old senior, <laughs> and uh, we don't really have like a great answer for him either because he's just pretty darn good at basketball. So but I mean, we we have to we have to beat Clemson. If we lose to Clemson, I think we're going to be like a six seed. I think I'm kidding, but he's 23 and a half. I guess we have Emil Jefferson, who's 24 and a half. What the hell old is Emil? All right. Um, and then if we get by Clemson, we have a tough matchup against Louisville. And if we beat them, we have a tough we have a tough matchup against UNC in the semis to reach the finals. But somebody told me we have a thirty percent chance to make the finals. Well, I was wrong. I was wrong. I was counting on us getting that first game by as part of it and having easier matchups. I, I thought we were going to beat Carolina. I, I was, thought I, I thought we were going to beat I, Carolina too. Yeah, I couldn't face it. So we play Clemson two p.m. Eastern time yeah, Wednesday eleven, tomorrow eleven a.m. Am our time, and uh, hopefully we win that game. If we don't, we can, we will just end the podcast and never talk about Duke again because it's just, you know. Uh, but if we beat Clemson, then we play Louisville the following day, Thursday, two p.m. And I don't even think we can look past that game. Oh, for like, sure, for sure not. You know, Louisville is also one of the top teams in the country. And then every game after that, semifinals and finals would be against tough teams and. I, mean, I feel like the finals would be the easiest game. Yeah, it's interesting. We don't usually go into a, a tournament knowing who the next two games you're going to play are, but we know it's Clemson and Louisville. I'm pretty sure we know what, who our third opponent would be if we get by Louisville. Well, Carolina might have a letdown game against Miami. Syracuse causes problems for people with that zone defense. but UNC might not lose the rest of the year. <laughs> uh, gosh, I hope that's not the case. Um <laughs> All right, so uh, that Louisville game is a chance for for a big win, right? That's if that's we can get if we if, get if by we, Clemson, which I think is not a gimme. It's not a gimme, um, but for all you listeners who live in New York City, please go out and support your team in Brooklyn. Yeah, that's an interesting wrinkle that's in Brooklyn. <clears throat> Give it a home game feel. Uh, it probably will feel like a home game for Duke, although eh, it could be a bunch of Carolina fans there. 
but I think I'm, I mean I doubt Clemson's going to be yeah. there. Uh, yeah. yeah. So what are, what are your expectations for the tournament, the ACC tournament? I mean, I'm I'm hoping if we get by Clemson, I think that'll be a nice start. That should lock up maybe like a a floor of a five seed. Maybe we could still get a four seed if we lose to Louisville. If we beat Louisville, I think we're pretty good. Pretty good for a four seed with the upside of a three seed if we can get by them and maybe make some noise against UNC. Yeah, like, I, I can't imagine we're going to be a two seed in the NCAA. Uh, yeah, three, even, three is our best case. Even if we went out and win the ACC tournament, I feel like three seed is our ceiling. Yeah. Um, but maybe it depends on, on what happens. Like if we somehow, you know, transform and become a dominant team on both ends of the floor and start destroying UNC and Louisville. Should we take a look at the current bracketology? We, we haven't really gone in detail on these yet. Four seeds in the West. They have us, uh, yeah, with uh, playing in Greenville. Yeah. Uh, against Princeton as a first round opponent. This is Joe Lenardi, ESPN. Yeah, it's bracketology. Uh, I'm actually, if, if it played out like he, <clears throat> he has it, I would actually be very fascinated by this. This actually looks like a pretty. Because Semi Ojale could yeah. end Coach K's McDonald's All American filled roster in uh, the round of the, the second round, round of 32. Semi Ojale, I believe, was like the player of the year for his conference. SMU won their conference. He's averaging like 18 and 8 or 18 and 7. So, yeah, so let's go through it. We, we would play Princeton in the first round. And it's all obviously you know, one less than 1% chance of happening this way. But, you know, you like us against Princeton? That seems like a good, favorable matchup for us. Sure. Uh, and then um, we would play the winner of SMU versus the play-in game USC and Xavier. Let's assume it's SMU. Tough matchup, but... Would it be a tough matchup? I, I, well, feel, I feel good about matchups like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, don't mind, I don't mind that matchup. I don't know as much as I should about SMU. It looks like they've won their last 12 games, but against... Relatively weaker competition, but uh, you know, wins against Temple, Cincinnati, Houston, Tulsa. These are these are proud yeah, programs. I mean, like they're they're kind one of, they're one and three against RPI top fifty. We're like I think we're eleven and seven. So we're we play twenty like close to twenty games against top competition. They played four. And they went one and three. I feel like a lot of these teams when they come to the NCAA tournament and they're yeah, facing they're, superior talent. They're no cupcake. They're eighteen. Their RPI is eighteen. And you know they've had a really good year, so yeah they've only had one win against top fifty RPI, so and three losses. So okay, so let's say we beat SMU, we get to the Sweet Sixteen. That if if we did that, I mean we're in I our would, backyard I would, in South Carolina. I would give Coach K a pass and say okay, this season wasn't an unmitigated disaster. Like I would I would actually feel good about the season if we get to the second weekend because. The beauty of getting to the second weekend is that you can sort of like play around with the idea, like, wow, there are only fifteen other teams left. What if they get to the sec? What if they get to the Sweet Sixteen, lose, don't win the ACC tournament? uh, It would still and hold on, yeah. And Luke Kennard leaves school. Grayson Allen leaves school. Harry Giles leaves school. Jason Tatum leaves school. Matt Jones graduates. Right, Chase Neil Jeter. Jefferson's gone. Chase Jeter transfers. Chase Jeter's transfers and Delorier transfers. What if all those things happen? I mean, we still would be fine for next year. We'd have a decent amount of talent. We just have a 
thinner roster than expected. But, but would, it, would you say that but, was a victory? Like that was a, that a season matter. you can live with? It, it all matters. No, no, the thinness of the roster apparently doesn't matter to Coach K. Well, it matters to me that, that we have guys that could contribute that might leave school. Because you need those second, third, fourth-year players that aren't NBA lottery picks that, that yeah, provide actually, the backbone of your program. Yeah, I thought a little bit more about your question, you know, who's going to be our Matt Jones or Emil Jefferson three years down the road, and there's really nobody there. Well, it's... Like maybe Javin Delorier. It's, it, it's, well, it's... I guess it could be Bolden. Bolden, Bolden gets told at the end of the season, "You're not a first round pick." Bolden. He doesn't come out. Bolden stays, and after next year, he's also not like even a draft pick. I mean, we don't know. You need guys that aren't taken that seriously by the yeah. NBA. I don't. But I, I can't skills. see Bolden in the in the Mill Jefferson four year role, but also in terms of like being a leader. We don't need four. We just need. We need a couple years of veteranness out of you. He strikes me as like a JaVale McGee type. JaVale was a beautiful college player. <laughs> <laughs> but just not like a leader. Just like, you know, he's got talent right. and athleticism. But, you know. Yeah, we, the truth is we just don't know. Guys that stay four years tend to not be great freshmen. But right. we don't have anyone playing this year. We're getting significant minutes that... I guess Frank Jackson could could possibly be a three or four year player, right? I think if Frank has a really big year next year, he he would probably go. But even but we, like, don't, we don't know. We hope. Yeah. He's, what if he goes this year? We hope he's not going. But what what if Bolden <laughs> is sitting there with Coach K, or maybe his parents are there also, and Coach K is like, "Look, you didn't have a great year. You're probably not. You're you're out of the first round. You know, you should come back." Yeah. What like if I were Bolden's parents, I'd be like, "Well, he, should he come back and?" Be like Chase Jeter. I mean, Chase Jeter came back. You never gave him a minute's playing time. You know, let's let's assume that he's healthy. I, I know you assume that he's injured. He hasn't played a minute since January top, 14th. Top 10 recruit. I mean, yeah. he just never plays for two entire years. And even if he does get in, he's he's not a focal point of the offense. He, they don't let him, like, shoot out from the outside. Like, these days, oh. big men need to extend their game out, out to the perimeter. Like, look at, look at uh, Lance Thomas. He had to sit two or three years. It turns out he's a really good long-range shooter, but he, he was never encouraged to work on that at Duke. These days, you'd think we would be encouraging the big men to expand their game. Well, I, I mean, maybe, at least, maybe on their own because yeah. they can't shoot those shots in games because Duke typically has like four phenomenal outside shooters well, that are better options. Right, but matchups are matchups, and you have a big guy in college that can't, that can't close out on a three, and you know you can if, always use a six foot ten guy that can hit a three. If, ask, ask Christian Leitner. Oh, that's a good point. However, if Lance Thomas ever attempted a three point shot, instead of passing it to John Shire, Kyle Singler, Nolan Smith, or Andre Dawkins, he would never play again. To be fair, ever. Lance Thomas could ever. consistently hit a sixteen footer. That's actually not true. By his senior year, I, I definitely remember he had practiced that fifteen to eighteen foot jump shot, and he. Earlier in the season, he, he actually made, was attempting and making some, made, some of them. Made like one a game. Well, I mean, he didn't shoot that yeah, much. I don't remember him or, shooting What did he average, like four or five shots a game? Not yeah. often. But were you make, trying to make a larger point about this team and this season, about what would happen if we made the second weekend? Like, for me, if we make the second weekend, that's sort of good enough. You know, like... You know, every year that this program... like. We're flying pretty close to the sun, right? 
that we have these one and dones, and we had great success with the Okafor Justice Tyus class, and then we just crushed recruiting for three straight years after that, right? Number one, number two, number three class in the country with super talented Frosh. The optics of this year are that we had lightning in a bottle and did nothing with it. If we go out after the Sweet 16, if we don't make the Final Four, and yeah, we won 20 games, we had some wins, but like the optics of Bolden and Giles being buried on the bench, the optics of even Jason Tatum not necessarily showing quite like the prize horse he might have shown as at another program, I wonder if it will chill the amount of big recruits that come. And further, those mid-level recruits like DeLaurier, Jack White, Chase, well, Chase Jeter was a McDonald's All-American, but DeLaurier and Jack White, those guys like that rank between 40 and 100 that want to come to Duke to even just be a role player or to be a secondary player, those guys are going to look at the program and the guys recruiting against us are going to say, you're never getting off the bench. Coach Case only playing six guys. And like for both types of recruits, what's the takeaway from this season? I don't think it looks great unless we pull off something. I mean, one more year like this, it could really be a problem. Guys transferring out of the program, Coach K is getting old. You know, that's what I'm worried about. I mean, yeah, I'd love to win a three or four games in the NCAAs, but I'd like the program to continue on their trajectory. And that's sort of what's at stake in my mind over the next couple of years, especially with Capel taking over or whoever's going to take over. That's happening. Uh, where is Coach K going to leave the program? I think we are spoiled. Am I getting too worried? I think we're spoiled. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't think it's any secret that Coach K has, has just, you know, people just do things a certain way. You know, he comes from the Bobby Knight school. He runs a motion offense, you know, that stresses spacing. He does man-to-man defense, get in those passing lanes, and he only plays seven guys. For as long as I can remember... That's just how he does it, you know. So for like a recruit to go and say, "Oh, I thought I was going to be like an eighth or ninth guy, and be able to play 15, 20 minutes," like Coach K just never does that. He never does like two waves of five units, you know, play ten guys, get them all like twenty, twenty-five or fifteen minutes. It's just not how he operates. Um, I mean. We're still getting these guys. I feel like he hasn't done as... But it's embarrassing that Harry Giles is falling in the draft. And it's embarrassing that Bolden is going to fall completely out. Bolden more more than Giles, I think. But Bolden because he's less, less unhealthy. He seems fine. <laughs> yeah, he looks fine. He seems fine when he's blocking shots, you know, when he's... When and, he's... and look at Grayson Allen. I, I mean, his story isn't so terrific right now in the yeah. minds of the public. I don't either. know how much of that you can pin on, on Coach K. I'm not, bl- I'm not necessarily assessing blame. I'm just saying the optics of this year have been very poor in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to disagree with you. Yeah. I feel like it's been a pretty big disappointment. But I'm, again, I'm not as down on this team as maybe a lot of people are. Like I, I feel like this team can do some damage. I agree. I still think they can. And, I'm just and, and losing like, faith that yeah. they will. Yeah, we're running out of time. Right, like, we're running out of time. And, and the thing is, like, we could beat Clemson and then lose to Louisville, and, and people would be even more depressed. But Louisville is like an Elite Eight Final Four team. Sweet 16, Elite Eight Final Four team. 
Like Louisville's very, very good, and we have to play them in the quarterfinals of our ACC tournament. I mean, that just speaks to how strong the, the conference was. It does, but we're Duke 11-7 and seven in the conference isn't good enough. Going out in the quarterfinals of the ACCs isn't good enough. And if these are the results that are happening, it feels like a big disappointment, and it's not enough. Now, the reason they have to play Louisville in the quarterfinals is because they didn't beat NC State at home. They didn't beat Syracuse on the road. They didn't beat Virginia Tech on the road. Games that were, looking back, games that a really good team would win, uh, would close out, and they didn't. They didn't win those games. They could be 14-4 and four in the ACC, which would be what? Tied for first? Or is that first? I think tied for first. Yeah, and they could have a buy into the quarters, and basically they could play you know, the seven or eight seed. Like, that's what could have happened this year. That's what I think, even with the injuries, still could have happened, but it didn't. So here's here's where we're at, and uh, it's just time to man up, beat Louisville, beat Clemson, beat Louisville, and get another crack at UNC. That's what I want to see. And I want to see, them, see us play them tight. I want to see the defense play together more as a team. I'd like to see... I'd like to see us start executing the way I know we can. Yeah, I, I agree with you that this team, I can't remember the last time I watched the game where I was like, wow, this team is like maximizing its potential, like work, working well as a team, passing the ball well, playing well on defense, playing well on offense. Just, It just seems like a tough season. Yeah, and I know our expectations are high, and I know we're spoiled, but... They should this have is been what comes with this when, class. This is what comes when you have not just this class, but Grayson Allen came back. Luke Kennard improved. And we saw what, what these guys had in the tank early in the season. And, uh, you know, we, we, just, we just want them to do well. You know, I just want them to do well. You know, I want to see it happen. Uh, all right. That's it. I'm usually the, the optimistic one. You're really Debbie Downer today. Nah, I just uh, got to call a spade a spade. I mean, the results are in, right? Like, <clears throat> two weeks ago, we still had four games to play. We could have run the table. We could have won three out of four. What did we do? We won one out of four games. And I know previous to that, we had a nice run. So We, we need another nice run. The next, we have potentially <laughs> ten games left. More likely, eight or nine. I understand that. <laughs> More likely, <laughs> four or five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, the postseason awards came out. Okay. Um, what, what did they come out as? What happened? What do you think happened? What do you think happened to Luke? Tell me. Tell me. I have no idea. I think Luke was probably a first-team All-ACC. Good guess. And um, He was the leading scorer. Yeah. Five-and-a-half rebounds, three-and-a-half assists. So he, he got the most votes. He was the only unanimous uh, selection for the All-ACC all team. Did not win Player of the Year. Okay. Somebody who received fewer All-ACC votes got Player of the Year. Apparently, it's a separate vote. It's a separate vote? Yeah. But it must have been close. No, it was not close. Okay. Uh, In fact, I was very surprised at the number of votes Luke actually got for Player of the Year. Okay. Did the kid from Wake Forest get a lot of votes? Collins? No. no. Who else is good? Jackson? Justin Jackson won. So, I mean, I think like the player of the year is sort of like the MVP. It's a big reflection on your team. Your team has to be good. It's got to be like a first or second place team. 
Yeah. So he won that. Jason Tatum was uh, obviously all, all ACC rookie, but he was uh, third third team all ACC, and Matt Jones was on the defensive all ACC. All that sounds fair. I mean, preseason we wouldn't have believed that Grayson Allen wouldn't. Grayson Allen didn't make any of the all, all ACC teams, right? He was nowhere to be found. It would, it would he have might been. have been on the all dirtiest team. <laughs> we didn't talk at all about his elbow that was above the shoulder, shoulder shoulder level of that UNC player. Yeah, I thought you know Grayson's just a slightly slightly wild player, and uh, sometimes of, his elbows fly out of control. Yeah, I didn't think anything there was intentional, and uh, you know I don't think it warrants a lot more discussion than that. Do you? You're gonna pass. You're gonna give. You're gonna give him a break on that one. Uh, no. Um, also, right. the 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 sporting news uh, All American list came out, and Lucanard was second team All American. Yeah, and I've heard. You know, I follow a lot of NBA Twitter. Uh, you know, and I listen to a lot of things, and I've consistently heard good things about Luke Kennard. I wonder if he might end up rising up higher in the draft than than anyone anticipated if he if he leaves. Yeah, he's on Draft Express first round now. Yeah, I mean. NBA value shooting so much and and passing, you know, uh, and his defense has started to look like a he's still not not a strong point there, but but he's he's had a few block shots and become a slightly stronger rebounder. It seems, at least uh, there's like enough highlights that I could see it convincing uh, some some I mean, scouts and GMs. I think you could make the argument that the reason Duke has. Uh, double-digit losses last year and most likely this year is because Grayson Allen and Luke Kennard are guarding the other team's best guards. All right. They just get blown by all the time. Yeah, you know, I don't think Frank Jackson does such a great job either on the ball, <laughs> late in games. Uh, and, you know, that's just, yeah, it's a problem. But uh, I think I think it's really a, a team defense issue and it, it stems from, from it's, Matt Jones a is lot good. of things. Mills Jefferson is good. I don't think Emil's as good as you think he is on defense. You know, he, he only has one leg, <laughs> one yeah. foot, one healthy foot. Uh, to be fair, to put like a counterpoint to, you know, my my diatribe, the team hasn't been healthy. wasn't able to practice together all year. Coach K was out with a back injury, and so there are excuses to be made. Uh, I don't like, you know, the, I don't think Coach K likes excuses. You know. Overall, like Grace, we, we still had issue, enough time. To, the Grayson to me, issue. Grayson looked very healthy in the UNC game. You know, he had yeah, but we but he for some for some, say. for some reason he's sort of relegated himself to just a straight three point shooter. I mean, every single one of his shots, he only took four shots in the UNC game, was a three pointer. Well, he that's did, not fair because he, did he got t- fouled on drives over yeah. and over again. So I wish he would do that more often. Because yeah. it seems like a lot of times when he's driving, all he's doing is just passing. He's not even looking to finish. And I think that hurts him because well, he wound up with 14 points off of like he had 10, yeah. 10 made free throws or not or, quite or that. Eight he, made free he missed throws. a ton. So it was like six for nine. From so the he line. must have been driving to to score. At least the refs were giving him credit for that. Yeah, and I think that was such a huge um, forgotten part of his game last year: free throws. You attack, you get fouled, shoot free throws. Yeah, he's uh, that's one of the best things about his game. And sure. one other small upside possibility for the NCAA seeding is uh, they might just forget about the three losses during on Capel's watch because uh, Coach K is gone. 
Um, they did this. They did the same thing for Syracuse last year. I think they were like, hmm. they were something awful when Jim Beheim was suspended for those nine games or like three and six or four and five. There is a big difference. They just sort of forgot about it. They put him into the tournament and then they went on that run. So that's <clears throat> another little something to look look forward to come Smash well, Sunday. If, if we lose to Clemson or Louisville, we'll have ended the season with four out of five games as a loss or four out of six as a loss. I just can't imagine we're going to be above above a five or six. A, above a four or five for sure. I mean, five, you know. Six is I'd, I'd take a six over a, a four or five, you know, because then you avoid playing the one seed. You know, one of the things about the NCAA tournament is that not all the seeding is not like you a know, lot of his geography. Like, like a seven seed is often better than a five seed, you know, because all you got to do is beat that two seed, right? Uh, and you don't have to play the one seed maybe ever because the one seed might not get through. Like the the certainty with which you have to play a one seed is a, is a big problem for it. And who's in the path of the one seeds? The eight nine, you know. Wouldn't you rather have a ten or eleven seed than an eight or a nine seed? Uh, because you don't have to play that one seed. Uh, and being a four five, which we're kind of like hoping we're going to get uh, if we don't show well in the ACCs, it puts you right in the path of Kansas, Villanova, North Carolina, or if I have my wish, Gonzaga. You want Gonzaga? Out of those teams, I'll take Gonzaga. You don't buy any talk that they're the best team in the country. It's unlikely. Unlikely. It's unlikely to me, but I know they're a really good team. But we tend to do better against these teamwork teams without the horde of incredible athletes that, you know, can shove us around the court. Uh, We didn't finish the uh, going through it. you, You had us beating SMU, getting to the Sweet 16. And then, of course, Joe Lenardi has his playing Gonzaga. So, do you think we we take it? We think we take out Gonzaga in that scenario. I don't know what to make of Gonzaga. A lot of people that I win or loss, trust, just call it. I think we lose. I think we're a pretty big underdog in that game. I don't think we're a pretty big underdog in any game. I mean, a big underdog. I think we're going to be a pretty big underdog. <laughs> like at Carolina, we were a seven-point dog on the road. That was a neutral court game. Would be like three or four points. Right, that's pretty big. Okay, three or that, four points oh, is that, like that's pretty big. Three or four points is like you know your chances are like thirty to thirty five percent to win the game. Two to one. I mean, I mean, that's pretty significant. All right, so you have us losing against Gonzaga and people you trust telling you Gonzaga is the real deal. Possibly the best team in the country, but you know, like okay. again, it goes back to what I was saying against SMU. Like they. Their final three games, they're like 99, 99, 98% to win each of those games. Like, you would never see that in the ACC. Like, it's just impossible. Even yeah. if you're UNC going up against Georgia Tech, like, you're never 99% to win the game. You know, like, I think Georgia Tech beat UNC. All right, so uh, you have us going down to Gonzaga. If we beat them, our gift would be to play Dylan Brooks, Oregon again, <laughs> in See, California. That's, that's again. actually that's actually sort of why I really like this scenario. I would love to see this scenario play out because you know maybe Coach K get his revenge against Dylan Brooks for ratting him out to the national press. We've got a pretty good track record against Gonzaga. You know, Mark Few never gets his due. Take down Sammy Ojale. This could be Coach K's redemptive arc on the year. We could use someone, someone to have a redemptive arc. <laughs> All right, this has been Michael Exut, uh, along with my good friend Peter Rowe. We are the apparently the Duke basketball junkies, unless we lose to Clemson, and then we'll be 
radio that. silent for nine months. Well, at least until the NCAA's. Uh, uh, the plan would be, you know, if we do well in the ACCs, we might do a podcast, uh, you know, somewhere in the middle of it. Um, but for sure, we're going to be doing one post ACC after receiving our NCAA bid, and we'll be breaking down with breaking expert down the analysis. Expert, expert analysis. analysis. Yes. Which team will pick and roll us to death? If you're doing an office <laughs> pool or if you're doing a Calcutta, this will be the one to tune into. Last thing. At least Clemson and Louisville, the next two games, hopefully two games, they're not filled with terrific three-point shooters. So if we are shooting shooting well, I could see us, I could see us uh, you know, even getting outplayed and winning, winning a game against Louisville. And I felt like that when we played them on the road. And we didn't play them at home this year. Louisville never has great three-point shooters, I don't think. Well, they don't this year. The, the, we, they destroyed us because of uh, Honest Mahmoud. Yes. Just getting dunks and layups left and right all the time. Yeah, they destroyed us a couple different ways, actually, I felt. All right, so uh, after we beat Patino, maybe we'll be back. Uh, I'm afraid of Patino. I'm not going to lie. I'm afraid of Patino and Louisville. I feel I felt how, I, how did they get in the ACC? How did that even happen? I feel like Donovan you know? <laughs> Donovan Mitchell or one of their good, really good guards was injured uh, when they when we played him and they still smacked us around at Louisville. Imagine how much better they would be if we could trade trade them Grayson Allen or Luke Kennard and we can get back a couple of athletes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have athletes. I mean, Jim, they're just on the bench. All Jim right, Delorier is an athlete. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, over and out. Go yeah. Duke. Also, keep in mind if we do beat Clemson, how do we how do we end this podcast? If we do beat <laughs> Clemson and we play Louisville, both this year and last year, we had like a clear halftime lead. It seemed like we were like two years ago, we had like a nine point halftime lead, and then this year we had like some significant halftime lead. We just couldn't close it out in the second half. Against Louisville. Against Louisville. So it's, I mean, I'm afraid of them, but we can beat them. At least it's not, it's not, it's not a road game. So uh, that's good. Yeah. You know, if you, if you, last thing, last thing, if you take out our road record, our ACC road record, it looks like we had a pretty good year. (laughs) (laughs) In Cameron, you mean? Just overall, we only lost. What two games besides the ACC road games? Is that right? I, I think we right. I think we are better than our record indicates. Okay. All right. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you later, Peter. Wow, you are just down on the top today. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys in a few days right. or a week. Thanks.